Hey, God Watch people, it's Phil Goth here again with the God Watch podcast. This week, we are bringing to you a new show with a gentleman named Matt Crawford. But before that, I just want to give you guys a quick reminder to uh, come catch up with us on Facebook at the God Watch podcast and stay up to date on all the shows at GodWatchLive.com. Remember, we always appreciate you sharing and rating the show. So wherever you got your podcast from, please go and drop a review for us. We really appreciate it. So with that, I want to bring you guys a show from a gentleman who walked a walked a hard life and found God and is, is making his way through it better and better every day. So ladies and gentlemen, Matt Crawford. Matt, thanks for coming, sitting down with us, being willing to be on the show, and uh, taking some time out of your, your busy life, coming and hanging out. So. My pleasure. Glad to be here. You go to church here at First West? No, I live in a little town uh, about 15 miles from here. Okay, so... I had to downsize. Downsize, you got out of here, but, you know, it's, uh, this place has been so welcoming to me, and so that's why I didn't know exactly how how we got connected and how everything happened, but I'm, I'm fortunate that we, that we did. Being a believer, if we step back in your life, what did your life look like before you were a man of faith? Like, what do we need to know about you to understand from where you came from to where you are now? I know that's kind of a very broad question, but you know, what was it like growing up? Were you a kid, when you were a kid, were you in faith? Um, no, I grew up in a messed up household, and um, I heard the name of Jesus every day in God, but it was uh, not, not in a good way. Not biblical. <laughs> grew up in a tough family, three brothers. I was the youngest. Uh, yeah, got beat up every day. They made me tough, though. Um, no direction. My dad, he every if you were to teach a kid right, he did opposite. That's got to be a hard place to be then. Yeah. I mean, just Well, that, it, you're growing up and you just... It's normal, it, right? Yeah, and so you just do what you feel like doing. You know, kids don't typically... That's why, you know, no right from wrong. That's why you have parents and it yeah. was... They weren't there. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, you talk about being the youngest kid and getting beat up all the time. I got a phone call. So I'm the oldest. And I got a phone call from my younger brother. He moved... So I live in, in Des Moines, Iowa. And he moved to University of Iowa, which is in Iowa City, a couple, three hours away. And uh, he called me up one day and told me that he was leaving the bar and he got jumped by four guys. And so I'm like, are you okay? You know, I'm trying to go through it with him. And I'm starting to realize he didn't call me because he needed something. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And he's like, well, I just wanted to thank you. And I said, what are you thanking me for? And I'm like, did you win? <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't know if I won, but I realized I can take a beating. And he's like, and I think I outlasted them. I'm like, they just got tired of hitting you or what? And so he, he called, my brother called to thank me that I beat on him when he was growing up because now he can take a beating. And I, I don't know where to go with that. Like, I don't think that I should be proud of that, but on the same ticket, I'm glad my brother got tough. <laughs> my so. three brothers toughened me up. And so I learned, I became a fighter and I never lost, uh, I mean, I never started fights, but when people would come towards me, you know, I didn't back down from Didn't back down and yeah. they regretted crossing paths with, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, is. I just, you know, yeah. and so I, you know, learned how to defend myself and, um, well, you know, so. and I think sometimes growing up, you know, I grew up kind of poor, kind of rough, bad part of town. Fighting was normal, you know, and, and I think that, I think the society we live in now, it is not quite as normal. You're probably a couple, couple days older than I am. When I was growing up, it wasn't a big deal to get into a fist fight. Cops didn't get called, nothing happened. Well, now, I mean, you do anything, you look at somebody wrong and you're in trouble. But, you know, I think it was a different world back then. But, you know, I guess what I'm getting at was, it was just a normal way of life, how we handled problems in my neighborhood. 
you know, I mean, when you were a kid, you just went out, you didn't like what was happening. Yeah, you get in a fight in the middle of the street, you know, and right, that was a normal way of life. So, I mean, that's kind of what I'm hearing from you too. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, just how it was, you know, um, kids want to fight, you know, bigger kids, and so yeah, it, it still happens, unfortunately. Well, that's not. Uh, yeah. Now it's a little. That's a little more consequences yeah. when you get some age on you. But uh, so, did you see yourself as angry? Were you an angry kid? Well, yeah, I was picked on a lot. And then, but you're, you know, the youngest, and so your brothers are bigger than you. So when kids came to you that you're your size, it was like just, you know, it was a cakewalk. And even bigger kids, as I, as I started to get bigger, you know, I knocked a few out. You know, yeah. I just learned how to fight. And I, you know, getting beat up is no fun, but... <laughs> You learn you quick, know, right? So, you know, I don't believe there's a problem with learning to defend yourself. Not one bit. Um, yeah, society, society today is um, different. A little softer. Yeah. Well, everybody thinks they're race car drivers on the street, driving fast, driving like idiots. People think they're fighters, you know, because of everything that's on TV and stuff, you know. And yeah. So it's, society is different. So now you're growing up, things are a little rough. Faith wasn't coming into play with your life, right? No. So, so what, what did that journey look like as you, as you started to get out of, out of the house, moving on your own, starting to make decisions for yourself? Did you learn quickly like, hey, I gotta start changing how I act, how I behave, or? Well, God, there were people that God brought in my life, even in, um, Junior high, um, I had a paper out raking leaves for a customer in the fall, and um, two women. They were they weren't Jehovah's Witnesses, but they were knocking on the door and sharing the gospel. And here I'm raking the, the leaves, and they stopped and talked with me. I remember I'm sharing the gospel, but I'm like in sixth grade, so there was a seed that was planted in me. But then, no, but through life. Or in ninth grade, then I you know got into drugs, and uh, so that was a yeah, just the wrong door that got open. Yeah, you know I it was the wrong crowd. My dad was out to lunch. Um, that's a messed up story. And so again, like my saying is, you know, if a dog isn't in a fenced-in yard, it's going to go out where it wants to, and it can go out in the road and get hit you know, and killed. And so again, I got into the drugs, you know, started with marijuana, doing that every day, then it just led to pills, you know, 10th grade doing cocaine, um, started selling drugs, um, <laughs> made a lot. Yeah. And so it just escalated for a number of years. And, you know, it was just, then I met a girl, a beautiful girl, started dating, she was into witchcraft. So there's a strange chain of events that happened in my life, but you know, God started working on me, showing me like I'm playing with fire. And um, I mean, it's the best thing that happened was coming to know Jesus, because I mean, a lot of people I know are dead. They started dying when I was in high school, overdosing. See, well, that's, it's, it's funny, and I don't talk about it with a lot of people, because I think a lot of people don't understand, but it's the same thing. I, I think, by the time I graduated high school, between, you know, the people, I, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and between my friends in Omaha and friends up here, and not always in my peer group, but 30 some people who died. These aren't people, kids who died of natural causes. These are kids who died of drugs or violent crime. Really? So you experienced that too? Yeah, That's... you know, and, and I think it's just a different I haven't met that many people who have really experienced that. And it's, for me, it scorned me a little bit. Like I had this really odd view of death because people died around you, right? And so I still struggle at times when, when somebody loses somebody, there's this grieving period, right? And I don't understand that. 
And I think now that I'm conscious that I don't, it's, it's interesting to see because I know that I need to be sympathetic and understanding for them. But it's almost a fact of life for me. I'm like, oh, they die. Like, people die. You know, and I remember I got to the point where I wouldn't go to funerals for people anymore um, because it's just, just what happens, you know, and, and that's a sad right. place to be. Well, a lot of people, though, it's just strange because uh, when people start dying and you are in the drug world, well, that was them. It's not me. They're, we're all playing with fire. Well, you know, but they don't realize it that, you know, I'm going to get burned. And, you know, I mean, there's this ugly price tag. Yeah. And, you know, uh, people were murdering, getting killed, you know, ODing, going to prison, and, you know, and, and, you know, the Lord was speaking, it started speaking to me, and I was hearing an unfamiliar voice, and I had to get out of it, because I started seeing things, you know, and, um, you know, God, the Bible says, God is knocking on the door of every man's heart. Yeah. It wasn't just me, it wasn't just you, and um, it made sense, and I got out of it, because it's like I was, I was playing with the right tools that could kill me. And I mean, I, I can tell you some scary stories of the drug world. Yeah. Guns, pe people pulling guns out, playing, you know, point guns at you. I mean, the, the, you know, drugs that can kill you. Yeah. I mean, but most of them can, you know. And, and I think that I, I had, when, and, and I've talked about it on the show before, but I've had, I had a time where I nearly overdosed. And I'm pretty much, I'm convinced that it was the pivotal change in my relationship with God because I believe that there was this weird in-between thing and it's nothing biblical that points to it, but I was wandering around, I couldn't hear a thing. It was the most peaceful, wonderful thing I've ever felt. And I walked back over and I looked at my body laying on the ground and then I sat up. And after that, I have no clue how somebody can deny the existence of something else. If I can visibly see this external meat mobile that I move around the world in, how is that possible? How does that work? There has to be something. And what is it? So you got to investigate, right? And, you know, you talk about, you know, yeah, I mean, you see people overdose. Well, they just didn't know what they were doing. There's always an excuse, right? Well, they, they shouldn't have bought that. Oh, they shouldn't have mixed. You know, there's always an excuse on why it happened to them and not to you, right? Until it nearly happens to you. And then you go, huh. What am I doing? But then they don't realize. They think, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a good person. And when I die, like even after I got saved, I was witnessing to some of the old crowd. And one guy said, well, I've never murdered, any, murdered anybody. I'm a good person. I'm like, you're still not good enough. You know, and we, this is the justification we come up with. Like, you know, we're going to get into heaven. And it's like, you know, no, hell's a real place unless Jesus is your Lord and Savior. <laughs> You're going the opposite direction. And with me, when I was dating that girl in witchcraft, I mean, that was real. I mean, the things that were she was doing, the things that were going on, it was, and it wasn't, oh, yeah, I was smoking weed, but, you know, I knew what was going on. See, and it was I've scary never around, stuff. I've never been around that stuff. I mean, it's like, uh, pokey pokey voodoo. I don't know. There was a lot. I got a lot of strange stories. <laughs> and so, and then there was a bookstore, a used bookstore here in town I went to, and I got two books on witchcraft, and I started reading it. And then, where does that come from? I mean, okay, you know, like, people give, oh, yeah, Satan's real. They give him credit. Oh, Satan's real. The devil's real. Where do you think he comes from? You know, hell's a real place, and you know, if you don't know Jesus, you're going there. So I started that, and that's where the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, if I die today, <laughs> I am not going up. I'm yeah. going to, you know. And so... Uh, so I mean, like the, so the people, I mean, 
So you're around people practicing witchcraft. Do you believe that it's like communion with demons or like how do you, what is what is happening? Like if we believe that there's God and that there's Satan, what are what are what's the gist around this? I mean, did you have do you have any clue or do you just kind of go, ah, freaky deaky, I'm out? Well, it's there, but it's you know what you you know. You know, you can believe in God. You know, I was talking to my daughter. She goes to college, and it's just like things she's wrestling with. Like, yeah, you know, people, they believe in God, but you got to take it the next step. That's to Jesus. Yeah. But until you do that, I mean, we're in this world, and there's the things that are out there, and people, they get into witchcraft, and there are demons there. And most people, they don't believe in what they don't see. That was a, a unique experience I had when I was dating that girl, and it's real. I mean, there's shows on TV, you know, these days about, you know, ghosts, demons, possession. Like, that stuff's real. And it, you know, I mean, even the Bible talks about it, but. You're talking about how you went back and ministered to some of these people who were living a rough life with you. How did you yourself then, I mean, you had these little seeds planted when you were young. How did you yourself come? to have that personal relationship with Jesus? When did it just become, was it like a switch that turned on for you? Or like what, what was the course that got you there? Well, again, I remember, well, again, and just my, no, sis, just, my sister, she was the first Christian in the family. And so she would talk about the Bible and I would listen to her and her friends. And this is like before I started partying and I would listen and, you know, I always believed like, you know, I believe there was a God for some reason, I believe there was God. I knew there was Satan. Um, I remember uh, a friend had a monster magazine, <laughs> and it, had, it was the uh, uh, had to do with the Exorcist, and so that scared me. The pictures were so scary, and <laughs> but so there are these things that happen, and God is trying to get our attention, and little by little, He was getting my attention. I was going to church for some dumb reason. Girl, I was dating her grandparents were Christians and they made her, she was living with them and they made her, you know, she went to church. So I'm like, oh, I went to church and, you know, and, but, you know, I'd get out of church, you know, go party. And so little by little, I don't know, things were, the right seeds were planted in my life. But then, you know, I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I heard, Matt, you're going to be dead soon. I don't care what other people think. I know what I was hearing. Matt, you're going to be dead soon or you're going to be in prison. I kept hearing that. You know, and we were doing, you know, we got into the, the cocaine was getting worse. We were freebasing. Oh, well, you were just doing too much. I don't care what you think. Yeah. God, was re God was speaking to me because we have our free will and either we hear him and we're obedient and we surrender to him or we go our own way and we pay a price so there is a point where I, I, I've got to change this life. It's killing me. My, I mean, you're driving down the road with, you know, a blindfold on. How crazy. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because, like, I look back at my story. You know, you say, like, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I look back at my story, and there's always, you know, you can talk to people, and there's always an excuse, you know. And, like, for me, my, this, like the story that I just told you, um, the, main, the main driving thing involved in that was ketamine. And so... People will say, oh, well, ketamine causes this and it can make this. Well, at the end of the day, experience that, the experience that I had was real. Just because you couldn't see it, it wasn't tangible to you. You couldn't, you couldn't feel it, see it, smell it, hear it. I could. So now are you going to tell me that that does not have any effect on my life? Because... That was a pivotal changing point for me. And so I think the kind of the same thing for you. If you say the Holy Spirit spoke to me, that's got to be something strong. You know what I mean? And right. if you hear that, nobody can take it away from you. Nobody can tell you right. it's not happening because it was a experience that you experienced. Just because I couldn't audibly hear the Holy Spirit telling you something doesn't mean that it didn't happen, right? Oh, exactly. So... I think that, you know, I mean, it probably sounds crazy to some people, but I love it. <laughs> but it was such a strange period of my life. 
um, when I was dating that girl, and I, I pray for her to this day. I remember one time saying goodnight, and I remember uh, her grandparents had a hat on it. We were upstairs in the kitchen. I was kissing her goodnight, and there was a, a Christian country station on, and, I'm, and I was right near the door. We're hugging, kissing, and she says, I hate this radio station. And the radio is like literally like 15 to 20 feet away. Her grandparents are in, they had a nice downstairs place to hang out, all fixed up. We were upstairs, and the radio turned off by itself. Seriously? Yeah. That's oh, that's one of many stories. And so, I mean, it's just like, you know, and I remember looking over just like, Oh, looking over her shoulder and going, who turned that radio off? <laughs> I mean, I can tell you other crazy stories, but yeah. these were eye-openers to me. That there's something like, that exists in this world that is unseen, right? Correct. Yeah. And so, you know, God opened my eyes, and I had to do an about-face. You know, I ended up, like, breaking up with her. It was hard, you know, but I had to do what was right. You know, and living for Jesus, I mean... Like I said, I lost all my friends because they're going one way and now Jesus comes into my life and my eyes were open and I had to follow him. If I didn't, you know, one guy I witnessed to, I witnessed to him about Jesus and he started like, and I'd known him for years and he started, you know, mocking Jesus in the Bible, laughing. He ended up getting a car accident like within like three days. Did he make it? No, you know, and that's sometimes there's such a, you know, the, oh, there's an overarching theme a lot that, that, you know, at least that I feel and that I share a lot is that we can't bring people to Jesus. Jesus has to fix them. We right. just plant those seeds and we do those things. But, you know, you hear your story like that, you know, there's an urgency for the need of Jesus and God in this world. Right? There's an urgency for it, and sometimes it moves so slow. You know, and I'm sure you know, God's, God's speed and His timing is impeccable. But, correct, you know, what happens? You know what I mean? There's, there's wrecks and sicknesses and anger and death and things like that every day. Man, it'd be better if there was more God in the world. You know. Well, and he, he's there. He's more than enough, and we're his... Uh, he uses us. We're the tools in his toolbox. He chooses us. I mean, you look through all the Bible, the characters, you know, biblical people, you know, they weren't perfect. They were messed up. Yeah. You know? They all had issues, and so we're no different. And so, you know, Peter messed up. You know, yeah. He denies Jesus, but then he got, you know, he got his game together. Jesus knew it was together. coming. Right. You know. And so he uses us. And so, um, you know, I got into the bench. As I started growing and learning the Bible, I was praying, you know, God, use me. And then, let me make a long story short, I ended up getting into a jail ministry. I mean, I had, I mean, in a hundred years, I would have never guessed it. That, you know, God called me to the jail ministry. But this is how God works. Yeah. We have our life. We try to have it mapped out and planned. And God says, no, you're not going that direction. I got you going this direction. And so because of where I was at and the things I'd went through, you know, this minister came to our church, the jail minister, and he started preaching. They talked about it. And, you know, the Lord was like, there you go. I want you to connect with him and get involved. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm all on fire. And then when the time came to go down there, to the jail, you know, you get cold feet. No, no, you made a mistake, Lord. No, no, you didn't. You, know, you got the wrong person. But I followed through, and I was there for 18 years. Working prison ministry. Yeah, and, minister, and talking to those guys, saying, look, this is where I was at. And you were, most of them were there, too. And I'm like, this is where you're at. This is where I was at. But this is what Jesus can do for you. Yeah. You know, but you got to surrender to him. It's not... It's not just, oh, I'm a Christian. Well, do you go to church? Do you read your Bible? Do you, you got to, it's like going on a diet. You want to lose weight. Diets work, but the hard thing is sticking to it. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, junk food is so good, but what's it do to you? It transfers your, transforms your body in the wrong direction. So and I try to make those illustrations with them about how Jesus cares for us, but we have to, we have to work on it. And it's not an easy transformation, but it's the right one. So in 18 years, was your message generally well-received? I mean, it was an open I've, door. Yeah, they came, and I plant, I, like you said, you plant the seed. They come in there, you know, to a place to have church service down there. You plant the seed, you talk to them. And a lot of guys would say, you did that, you were here, you know, and they're amazed, you know, and like, yeah. But it's, you know, Jesus is real. So it's probably awkward to think about, but do you feel fortunate of the rough life events that happened early in your life because they gave you the ability and the insight to accomplish things like that? Because I, mean, I can imagine that if you would not have been able to meet a prisoner on the level and have share a story with them and have them say, you were there, you went through this, that gives you a source of credibility. That gives you a source of understanding, right? And it, it gives Correct. you all of these things so that you can better serve the kingdom of God in that capacity. Because I think any of us who are in church know it takes all kinds. Right? Correct. It takes, it takes everybody because we all have such a different mission field. But if you would not have experienced these hardships, these struggles, these pains growing up, you would not have been able to accomplish probably what you've accomplished, right? Mm -hmm. So do you, do you look back with negative thoughts on some of life before? Well, I wish I could find the re rewind button, you know, but you can't. But I mean, yeah. again, the things that were going on, I mean, playing with fire. I remember being in a drug deal where, you know, a guy pulled a 44 out and, you know, I remember being in a real bad car accident, you know, a um, couple of them, you know, because people were, it wasn't me, but it was people that should not have been driving. They were too stoned, they were drunk. I just thank God that he got me through it. You got, you know, but now I, but again, I, like my kids, I warned them. It's like a parent's job is to teach your kids right from wrong. And then again, I was, they were growing up. I, you know, I, I love my kids and I knew stories of, I knew two kids that got hit by cars, you know, killed. And I didn't want that. So I would teach my kids as we'd drive down the road, I'd say, Hey, look at that deer in the road. Look at that dog or that cat. What happened? Oh, it got hit, Dad, and it's dead. I go, yes, stay out of the road. I did that because I loved them. And I don't, you know, that's my flesh and blood, and I didn't want them getting hurt. So the same thing is not, now what's the difference? Drugs are out there. And I had a job to do to warn my kids, and they listened. Because my dad didn't do the job. Yeah. You know, I mean, you want to spend uh, another segment on my dad, like, oh my goodness, that dude is messed up. The whole you know? show in itself, right? Yeah, but, it's so, like, and so I learned, but yeah, so it's like, oh, I mean, it gives me the, just shivers up my spine, you know, thinking what I did, but, you know, I mean, God got me through it. See, and that's how I see it, too, and honestly, I don't have a lot of regret about the negative things in my life. Maybe I should. But I don't because I think that God has given me, you know, that, that idea that he's prepared me and that he's equipped me with all of the things that I need to serve his kingdom better. I can, I can minister to people who I never would have been able to touch the hearts of any other way. I can relate to people who are sometimes difficult to relate to, especially right. for people who are living a God-honoring life. Because you know what? Prisoners are probably the easiest way for a God-honoring person their whole life to be able to witness to. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to get, a, at least in my, from the places that I've been, sometimes you have to be a little rough. You have to meet them on their level right. so that they understand and love on them in a way that they understand. But that's very hard because... When I was down there, I would just, my, my business was just to go down there and share the gospel with them. Yeah. Then, you know, I'm not, hey, what are you in here for? What are you in here for? I mean, I, that wasn't my business. But, you know, sometimes, hey, you know that guy over there? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he killed his family. Oh, yeah, that guy raped a little girl. And, and a few times my blood was just like, 
boiling. Yeah. And I remember a young man who did that, he, he raped a little girl and I, I just struggled with it. And you know what? I had, he was coming to church and I was talking to him and I, and I just had to plant the seed. You know, I had to pray about it. Yeah. But that's in God's hands. But I had like, you know, he's, he's, Part. you know, and then again, difficult people to love on. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, it's like, you know, you go, you hear about uh, these guys, they're in jail. And then when they get sentenced for that, they go to prison. And it's like weird, you know, like, oh, I killed somebody. I robbed a bank. Um, I sold drugs. But when you, when you like rape, it's like, you know, you cross the line among criminals and there's the... They, they handle that internally. Yeah. yeah. And so, but I did my job. I had to pray a lot about it. And I ministered to that guy. I showed him the gospel. You know, he says he asked Jesus into his heart and never saw him. I mean, a lot of them. I did my job. Maybe I'll see him in heaven one day. I used to struggle. So... A self-gratifying hedonistic lifestyle feels good right now. You know what I mean? And that's, I think, if you stepped away from, if it didn't feel good, everybody wouldn't do it. There wouldn't be opposition to people of faith, right? Right. And so I used to struggle with the idea that I could follow Jesus, do my best every day to try to avoid sin, to try to grow, to try to be more like Jesus. But yet, this guy did all of these things for 65 years, and two days before he dies, says, I love me some Jesus, and he's going to the exact same place that I am. And, and I thought, what, in, what makes that fair? That I've put in 30 years worth of work, and this guy put in two days worth of thought. Well, he was fortunate he made it. He was fortunate that he made it. But I think that there's also joy in the fact that we can serve. And, and maybe a guy like that will never experience the joy that we can experience here. Sure, he's going to experience pleasure of the world that maybe sometimes we stray from now, but he will never know what it's like. Jesus walked in this world as a man, loving God. He lived, you know, this in theory guy lived for two days on this earth knowing God. You know what I mean? And I just, I used to struggle with it. I don't know if I can relay it really clear, but man, I just, I'm fortunate now that I don't struggle with that. And I know that the reason that I follow God is so that I can please him on this world. That's what he wants. And when, yeah. um, you know, people, they, even as Christians, they, they don't do anything. They're, they're just on the sideline. They're not involved. And one day we're going to stand before Jesus. And I, I think about back when I was in school, I barely got by. I mean, you know, oh, I got a D or, you know, or C or I, I just barely did enough to pass a class. Yeah. And then I regretted it. Why didn't I study more? Why didn't I? And I put it off and put it off. And I could have had a better grade. I could have done better. But I, you know, I wanted to play. I wanted to have fun. And so people are, and so the thing is, we're going to get to heaven, and, and we're going to see Jesus, the Savior, the you know, who died on the cross for us. And, and oh, I wish I would have done more. And Jesus is going to say, Yeah, I wish you would have too. I wish you would, yeah. You know, and so it's like, I don't know. I, I, I just with me as as I'm reading the Bible, you know, the Bible says, you know, make the most of your your time because the days are evil. Walk wisely, you know, as a wise man, not as an unwise man. And again, and and hell's real. I want to be. I want to be a light. I mean, the Bible talks about be a light in the dark world. You're you are doing the right thing. You know, you're reaching out to people. Your yeah. testimony. You're helping people. But the people that are just going through life, doing what they want, they're missing it. Yeah, they're missing it. Then again, one friend, like what you said, one friend after I got saved, I was witnessing to him. Now he is saved, but he's like, well. This is, I don't know, 
20, 30 years ago, and he goes, well, when I get older, I'll give my heart to Jesus. I go, well, when's that? Oh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70. I go, what if you get run over by a car next week? What if you're in a convenience store and somebody robs it and shoots you? I said, then you're dead in your sins. So, and that came to me, and it's funny how the Holy Spirit put that in me right at that time, and that bothered him. And I just like, okay, see you later. And we didn't talk for a while. Then he's like, oh, can I go to church with you? <laughs> so I, I used to work with high school youth, and, and that's one of the things that I would hear from them a lot. Oh, well, I'll, just, I'll worry about it when I'm older. Like, you know, I shared with you, I lost countless people wow. before I graduated from high school. I could impart in them the fact that I have suffered loss. You know, in, in, in this kind of... You know, we live in the, where I live, we're in the suburbs, it's nice, it's affluent. Kids don't die all that often, right? It's got to be a tragic event. They're not just accidentally dying. And so it's not something that these kids deal with. They don't know that it's a consequence. And so when I can tell them, hey, here's what I have experienced. This is what happened in my life. Today is, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Right. You know, you have no guarantee that there's going to be tomorrow. Why wait? I just, I, I never, I never quite got it. You know, once, once it made sense to me, it just made sense. It didn't. Well, even all the people, people in the drug world. I mean, one guy, his, uh, his brother OD'd, you know, shooting up, you know, cocaine. And you'd think that'd be a wake-up call. And I remember him crying and crying and, you know, I'm done, I'm done. A week later... Stop by his house, guess what he's doing? Business as usual. Yeah. So again, you know, I mean, as I learned the Bible, Proverbs, it says, you know, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to death. Yeah. You know, ah, I'm young, I'll, I'm going to live to be older. Oh, if I die, I mean, they don't, they don't realize what's waiting for them. You know, so you and me and others, you know, we're trying to warn people. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, one guy I worked with, you know, I was witnessing to him, and ah, I don't believe that Bible stuff. And I said, well, you're going to remember this conversation when you're burning in hell. And then he just shut up. Like, you know, and that, that was it. You know, I mean, I did my job. I witnessed to him, but he has his free will. And even, you know, and so as you learn the Bible, and I think it's in Corinthians, it says, the God of this earth has blinded them to the truth. I mean, you and me, I mean, we're all born into sin. Yeah. We're spiritually dead. And then, you know, God's trying to get our attention. That, you know, what's it say, uh, Hebrews? Uh, God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. But it's like he's trying to get your attention, you know. Well, you know, people, you know, I want to go to the bar. I want to go to the strip joint. Oh, that church stuff? Nah. Yeah. Nah. You know, again, they want the pleasures of the flesh, and they want to live for today. They think there's no consequences. I think, and I think that there's so much to be related to that, to that, the idea of the drug world, too. You know, because when, when you live that lifestyle, you fill in these voids. You know, I, I think that I've heard a lot used within the church is that analogy of God fills up your cup right? It overflows your cup. You know, all these analogies. Well, when you're living in the world, you're filling up your cup. You're just filling it up with different things. Right. And, you know, it's this bitter cup, you know, and just that idea of what do you want? Do you want, do you want to come to church? Do you want to be involved in a group? Do you want to build those relationships and have that cup filled with holy water, joy, love? Or do you want to fill it full of pleasure and sour and hate and anger you know it's just well there's there's not room for both and I think that when when I started my walk in particular I remember it wasn't like one day I just woke up and went oh, I'm a saved man look at my life it's so wonderful now it was I stumbled and fell and it took this correct this time for me just to to get back on my feet, you know what? I would take a step forward and sometimes I'd take two steps backwards. And just because one day I, I started to understand who God was, doesn't mean the next day I woke up holier than thou, right? Yeah, but we're grafted into the family of God. Once you, be, yeah. you ask Jesus into your heart, 
you know, you're saved, but now it's a new growing process. Yeah. It's a, you were, were babies, and now it's like, you know, okay, you got your diapers on. You know, you're, you're a baby watching my kids learning how to walk. You know, they're crawling, crawling, then trying to stand up. They're walking, falling down, banging themselves, but they kept getting up and going, and that's like the Christian life. It's a growing process. It doesn't mean when you, you know, you ask Jesus in your life, I mean, you're perfect. No, now it's like a whole new ball game. Far well. from. Because, yeah. I mean, I'd go forward. I mean, I had to learn to, um, because drugs were my life. They were my life for years. Every day. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Morning, noon, and night. So I had to learn, you know, God, you know, like I tell the guys at the jail, God didn't remove the drugs out of the world. He had to teach me how to deal with it his way through the you know doing things his way the armor of god filling my mind with the word of god you know not trash and you know because that's how satan gets us in the mind i mean it's so that that idea of the armor of god being the the protection that we need and you know and just trusting that god will take care of us through those times right you know because that's something I always struggled is God puts those things on your heart and, and is preparing you, but I always felt like I was falling short. I always felt like I was falling down. I wasn't, wasn't performing to the expectation that God needed me to be. But then I look at what was God, I look and think what, would, what was God's expectations of me at the time? I was a baby. I was supposed to fall down. I was supposed to learn more lessons. I was supposed to keep moving forward. I was supposed to go through those things. And even back before I found my faith, I was supposed to go through those things. Those were preparing me. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I just think that there's, there's so much joy and inspiration that we can find in those things. And yeah. so when you, when you look at your life, so you said you have a couple kids, right? Mm -hmm. Are they grown now? Yep. Okay. Young so, adults. They're young adults. Mine are still little, little. What, this is selfishly I'm asking. When, so your history, do your kids know it? Oh yeah. Do you say, so I see, cause that's the thing is, I wonder how much, I don't, I haven't really, my kids aren't to the age yet now where they would understand. I, did, I just didn't know how you approach that. Like, is there a benefit to them? No, I mean, I guess not holding anything back, but. I kind of looked at it as one of those things where, well, what they don't know, I'm not lying to them by not telling them. But I don't, you know, is it just so learn from my mistakes kinds of things, or? What if they were, what if you had poisonous snakes around where you live? Yeah. And your kids went out and played, you know, in the yard, in the field, and would you tell them, would you warn them that, hey, guess what? This thing can poison you, bite you, poison you, and kill you. Would you not warn them? Yeah. I guess you're right. So my wife said that, you know, you're not going to tell the kids when they about your past. I said, I have to. Because they live in the same world that I'm passing through. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 it's, I wish I could rewrite history, but you can't. But you got to learn from it. And you got to, you know, so it's sharing with your kids like, hey, this is out there. But, you know, I used to tell them, you know, when I got in the jail ministry, I'd say, are there Christians down there? Are there Christians locked up in that jail because I wanted them to think and then like yeah there are because they made poor decisions yeah and I would explain to them you have your free will I mean we have a job as parents you don't want to see your kids getting harmed well and I think so, I think one of the things that is you know you talk about they made a mistake what are they doing there I think one of the things that I think about a lot too is when you realize how you're one poor decision away from something that changes your whole life. I mean, it's got to be a pretty bad decision. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, probably working in the jail ministry, prison ministry, you probably know better than most that you just make one wrong decision and, and how, how there is this fine line between where, where you can go one direction or the other. And if you make the wrong step one direction, your, the whole trajectory of your life can change. Right. So. Um, I always, uh, you know, I, I, I run, I work out. I'm in pretty good shape. That's <laughs> um, how God wired me. You know, my dad was immensely uh, overweight. He used to be tough as nails. Uh, 
you know, was in the army, and then he just got, he got real fat, and I just was wired different. So I was doing remodeling, and, um, and I've had opportunities where women came on to me, and I mean, you know what they wanted, and I would like think, you know, how am I going to handle this if, if this situation comes up? How am I going to handle it? Am I going to fail? You know, and then like, you know, a moment of pleasure for a lifetime of pain, you know, end up in divorce. And, you know, I'd hear, I'd listen to a Christian show that talked a lot about with divorced people. And so it's like, you know, so you have to be prepared. Like what decision, what, you know, I'd go into people's homes to work, but I got to be really careful. I have to be on guard because, you know, Satan wants to destroy your testimony, your ministry. I mean, and, and uh, so with me, he, uh, I had opportunities with women, and I, uh-uh, I'm married, not going there. Yeah. And, you know, and, and God provides a way of escape. You know, and it's not easy. Come on, Matt, <laughs> there's the window. Get out of that. The house is on fire. <laughs> Jump. But so then he did. He, um, but it's another story. Um, I was, uh, day I was going to work, and um, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't get me to cheat on my wife, so uh, he tried to kill me, and I was in a car accident, and a um, lady plowed into me, and uh, uh, that, that's, uh, my neck got broke, and I got a head injury out of it, and so it's been a little over five years, so, wow. yeah, so um, <laughs> that was another messed up, terrible time, life was terrible. But little by little, God rebuilt me, and I'm still here. I'm able to minister to my family. My daughter's going to college, a senior, um, to talk with her about struggles just yesterday, you know, being a Christian at a big university. And I said, you're right. You, you're not fitting in, and that's a challenge. And I said, doing what's right is not easy, but following Jesus is the right thing. But Sonny House, I was a... Uh, so God's getting me back, uh, you know, but Satan tried to get me. So if there's a way he can find a way to shut us down, uh, to discredit us. You ended up in a bad car. Broke your neck, head trauma. Is that what you said? Broke, what, what did you break? C6. Ooh. Yeah, so broken neck, brain, brain trauma, yeah. touch and go. I mean, were you, were you ICU? Yeah, it was... Up? It was it was messed up. It was really terrible for everybody. Three, four years. Oh yeah, my family. You know what they went through. Uh, hell, to a degree. My wife. Uh, I was, you know, going crazy. I mean, you're mine. You're not who you are. You're somebody else, and you're crazy. That's yeah. You know, and so smashing things, not wanting to live. You know, so the Bible says, you know, again, Satan. It says the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, and when we're a mouthpiece for Jesus, and when we're being effective, he wants to take us out. Yeah. We are in a battle. And I had, I mean, all the jobs I did, I did remodeling for about 20 years, and this one job, I mean, I missed it. I should have been, I didn't connect the dots till I got hit. You know, I was going to put in countertops, and, um, and I, kept, I just had bad feelings about this job, and I never had it. All, I mean, I'd loved, like, you know, country jobs, long drive, and just different situations that I enjoyed. And this one, I just had bad feelings. And it, and, um, it went on, this job, I was supposed to do it. Um, and it, you're doing the job. Oh, it's falling through. Well, this guy's doing it. And I'd be really relieved. No, no, you're going to do it. And it'd be like back and forth and for like three months. And, and I never had that happen. I, you know, and God was trying to warn me. And I, you know, and I missed it. And, I, and so this old lady plowed into me. And, you know, Satan works in different ways. I think spiritual warfare is such a real thing. Oh, it is. You know, and I think that sometimes it's played down. You know what I mean? I think that maybe the spooky idea of the combat, you know, I mean, because it really is. There is a fight for your soul, right? Yeah. And I think that it's not talked about enough. You know what? When you get those pokes and those prods, you're seeing there's all these things lining up ahead of time that I should have been able to see. And I think that we all have those in our lives. And sure, we can all look back and go, oh, I should have noticed that. I should have seen that. That's easy. It's Notice them in, in time is the hard part because, you know, but then if... 
if we could see all those traps that are laid for us before we get there, life would be a whole lot easier, wouldn't mm -hmm. it? <laughs> yes, mean, it would. You know, the hard part, at least, you know, that I see is, is sometimes that stuff works within a family. You know, that spiritual warfare works within a family. And it's always hard, you know, for me, you know, I, I firmly believe that, you know, we hurt the ones we love the most, you know, which, you know, ends up, ends up being, you know, wife, kids, mothers, fathers, and, and, you know, that's, those little cracks and those divides are what, where Satan can start to work and, and, right. and multiply and, and spread that, that seam. And we have to be so vigilant to keep those relationships tight and close and knit with God, because otherwise all it's doing is asking for trouble, you know, and, you know, whether it's infidelity, whether it's, you know, all these, all of these things that can get in the way it's, it's so important that we're vigilant and keep an eye out for it. So what? So now you're laid up, you're, your head's a little different, you're not acting the way you're supposed to, you're not acting the way you did before. Where was your faith at the time? Did you start to notice changes in that? Or did, you know, did it come back around? What? I've, I've, never, I've never interviewed somebody with... Well, I'm better, but I'm not the same. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. And, Stuff happens, and we go through trials. And um, did did you did you struggle with your faith at all? Oh, it was time? terrible. I did not want to live. I mean, I mean, you can't think straight. It's like like you're in the ocean, and you're being pulled under the water, and you see the top of the water, you know, and you're like ten feet below, and you you need air, and you're fighting to get to the top, and you're being pulled down and pulled down. And eventually you get up there to the top of the surface and you get a little air. And so it's just, it's like, and you're fighting for your life. And so it was, um, and God understood. I mean, I got mad. I was really mad at him because, I mean, it was life I did not want to live. It was hard. Oh, I'm sure. You know, and I was on a lot of medication, but, you know, God is good. Now I can say that. Um, he got me through it, and it was hard times, but now it's like I can help other people that I've now the people I've run into with head injuries and to help them and to talk to them. I'll be praying for you, telling them like, hey, the Lord's there for you. So it's a different door. God's open. And so, you know, it's if, if you want to be used by God, That's, and he wants you to, yeah. he wants to use you, but if, you, if you're willing, you know, he's going to open doors for you. To look which ones to walk through, you know? That's yeah, the, and so this is a new, it's in my life, it's just, it's, uh, I had to take a back step from the jail ministry, and it's been, I've gotten down there a few times. I was down there twice a week till the accident, and so I had to take a break, you know, because uh, the old brain wasn't functioning right. Yeah. But now I am going to be getting back down there. It's a, it, it's a long healing process, but God's still on the throne. He's helping me. He's rebuilding me. You know, and I'm grateful for that because, you know, if I would have died, I had I had my, all my ducks in a row. I mean, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. If I would have died five years ago in that accident, I'd have been in heaven. But He wasn't done with me, and I'm grateful right. just to be here for my family. And that's yeah. you know, it's it's funny because before I had kids, I don't think that I I knew Jesus. I loved Jesus. If it was my time to go, take me. You know. All right, I, I was fairly comfortable with that. Now that I have kids, it's different. You know, now that I have kids, Jesus, don't take me. I want to see what happens when they graduate from high school. I want to, I want to teach them how to drive a car. I want to watch them get a, a job after college. I want to watch them start a family. I want to be a grandpa. You know, for me, that's a long yeah. time away. But you know what? I'm not ready to go. Right. You know, and but before I, I don't know that I would have had that same desire. So yeah. kids change you. Kids change you, man. Look yeah. at me. I'm all soft now. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, they're you know you you know kids. Uh, they're such a blessing. Oh yeah. Got to remind myself of that pretty regularly when they're screaming and yelling and throwing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. They're a blessing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're work, they're yeah. challenging, but yeah, my I son and it. daughter, no, I love them dearly. And, uh, you know, that's the thing I would tell them at the jail. I'm like, why do you love your children? You know, I'd, I'd try to make them think, and I'd say, like, why do you love your children? 
because they're perfect, you know, do your kids ever make you mad? And, and you know, do you want to, you know, spank them, you know, just, you know, wring their neck? And, yeah, I'm like, but why do you love them? Not because they're perfect, because, but because they're yours. And that's how God loves us. He loves us because you know, he knows we're not perfect. He knows we're trying, but we thank God for his love and, you know, and his tolerance. I mean, his mercy. I mean, it just kind of like, oh, I don't grasp it. But, and, you know, and I you. think coming from, you know, the Bible tells us he loves us like a father, right? Right. But for me, a guy whose father wasn't really around much, for you, a guy whose father was, what's it mean when our father loves us? Well, does it mean the same thing as when God loves us? In my mind, when I was a kid, I didn't rationalize that. Now that I have kids, it's a totally different world. I understand what a father's love can be. Even though I'm not always happy with them, even though I'm not, you know, there's nothing that I would do for those kids, right? Right. You climb a mountain, do whatever it takes. Yeah. Once you realize that and know that God would accomplish that and astronomically more for you, where else can you go? Right. You know? So, Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, we're coming up on an hour here. And so I told you we'd run like an hour, and I want to make sure I, I manage your time good. But in, in our, I mean, we kind of covered a lot of stuff and physical stuff, missionary stuff, growing up rough ins and outs, ups and downs of, of our lives. If somebody's going through those ups and downs, and it doesn't have to be as major as yours, it can be minor, but you know, I think that the, sometimes we have a different perspective, right? Where, where, where maybe your ups and downs or right. my ups and downs, just because somebody else isn't in the exact same place that we were, doesn't mean that's not as low as they go. People right? would say that, you know, and, and, you know, and even through the head injury, people would say, you know, I'd ask them, like talking to people, well, how's it going on? Or what's going on in your life? And they would have situations and they'd say, well, I didn't want to, not good. And they'd say, ah, I didn't want to say anything because, well, you know, it doesn't compare to you. You're dealing with a head injury. And I'm like, dude, like, you know, I can still say a little prayer for you. I'm like, I, you know, I, you know, I care for you. Like, I want to know. Because yeah. it helps help me to get off uh, of my situation. Thinking to, to, about you. Know. you yeah. And so there are. And so people, everybody has different struggles. Yeah. Some are greater, some are smaller. But we're, God cares about them, so why shouldn't we? Exactly. And you know? those ups and downs, if you could leave them with just a little tidbit of advice and say, yeah. here's, here's something to keep your head up. Here's, here's where you're going. What would you tell them? Well, Jesus. You know, even a lady, uh, I, one of the doctors, uh, I, you know, in my mind, it's weird because with a head injury, you deal with amnesia. And I mean, the things that would just, I don't know, ugh, just, ugh, what a messed up thing. But one doctor was like, hey, man, um, so apparently I was talking about Jesus. I don't remember. But then I remember the situation where the doctor was like, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, what? And he said, well, um, my grandchild's got this sickness. Would you be praying for him? And that like struck me. It's like most certainly, you know, and yeah. you know. But I was so glad they they brought that up because so apparently I was, you know, talking about Jesus. <laughs> and so, and He is our answer. He is our answer. Through life is filled with all sorts of challenges. You lose a job, somebody dies. I mean, just life is filled with challenges. But God has our answers, you know. And we, we look just, to Him. And yeah. it's just and it is. And it's like I was telling my daughter, you have to be like the fruit of the spirit. You know, love, joy, peace. The worst one I heard a minister was saying about patience. We don't like patience. Who likes being hurt, you know, having a pain? We want pain taken away. And I can testify to that. The pain was terrible. It was so bad where I did not want to live. You know, I was not, I, then I, I hated taking the pills because then it knocked me out for a day, but I got it through it. But those are hard times and, you know, so those things in the Bible, you know, in the fruit of the Spirit, they're there for a reason. And life is challenging, and God will get us through the hard times. God will get us through the valley. Yeah. But we have to trust Him, and, you know, constantly. And it's being there to, to, as somebody's going through the valley to support them and help them. I tell my friends, call me, call me. Hey, you know, I got a lot of free time. 
I'm on disability right now. And so it's like, you know, and so if you can help somebody through a hard time, you know, but it's, the answer is in the Bible. That's what I tell people. Yeah, I think that that's an amazing message, message of Jesus. Amen. So, now, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here with me. It was a pleasure meeting you, sitting with you. Well, thank you for inviting me to do this. You no know. problem. I appreciate it. I hope time. it'll affect somebody's life and help them to get focused on Jesus. I'm sure yeah. it will. So. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Matt's story. And I want to say a big thank you to First Westland Church again for letting us be there and uh, take advantage of their beautiful space and give us a place to record for a little while. If uh, you are interested in being on the show or if you are a church who would enjoy a visit from us, please reach out, God Watch Live or on Facebook. Have a great week and be blessed.